Welcome to another quarantine edition of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, and I'll be joined, as always, by Dave and Becky. On today's show, as we wait for word on if and when we can expect hockey to return, the Rangers and MSG are trying to keep fans entertained with classic games and live interviews via Zoom. Unfortunately, one of those interviews turned ugly, with Keandre Miller bearing the brunt of a horrible racist attack, an incident that made news for all the wrong reasons. Uh, We'll also try and pick the next captain of the Rangers, something uh, John Davidson mentioned in a live Q&A session with fans, um, though he didn't answer the question. And we will uh, discuss whether or not the Rangers would have made the playoffs based on kind of how they were playing when uh, the season was put on pause. But first, bring in Dave and Becky. Guys, how's uh, quarantine life here two weeks later after we last uh, spoke? I am camping out in my kitchen with the lights on to try and get a tan, but it's not really working all that well. (laughs) at least you're being innovative there (laughs) i'm I'm trying yeah yeah everything's great here in the living room haven't left the house since yesterday and not three days before that so you know living the life this is the most social interaction i get on a weekly basis outside of work so it's nice to see you guys again the 7 p.m like clap for healthcare workers is by far the most social interaction i get like that's it (laughs) yeah we're starting to make friends with with uh people that we never would have otherwise met just because everyone's leaning out their windows at the same time so you know maybe at some point we'll all be able to get together and celebrate together but uh you know as 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 we will continue to do we we all wait and uh hope that and it is clear by the way before we jump into the hockey stuff that what we are doing at least here in the new york area is working. You know, the, the number of cases uh, is flattening a little bit. And Dave, you actually kind of work in the healthcare industry. And you were just telling us before we came on that uh, your hospital system is seeing more uh, discharges than incoming patients. Is that right? Yeah, um, we've been working around the clock. I actually was off from work today, the first day in a while. And our senior leadership noted that we're starting to see more beds open up, which means more people are being discharged and, for lack of a better phrase, cured, and less people are coming in to the hospitals. Um, can't really go into more detail. Um, that's basically what you get from Andrew Cuomo at this point. But what we're <laughs> yep. doing is working. And it may seem a little bit unfortunate that we have to do this for even through the end of April, which is when Cuomo's quarantine period ends. And it seems like everybody wants to get out and do it sooner, but rushing it puts us back in the same spot we were in in March. Just deal with it. You're being asked to sit home, not go to war. Absolutely. So, uh, so let's get into it, guys. Uh, the, on the, uh, you know, in the intro, we mentioned the Andre Miller incident. So just, you know, a quick recap for anyone who who did not see it, even though it's pretty ubiquitous story, given that there isn't much sports news otherwise. So this was back on April 3rd. Uh, the Ranger prospect was subjected to a racist attack while participating in a live Zoom call with fans. Basically, a troll joined the call and repeatedly spammed the chat section with a racial slur until the Rangers disabled the feature. A few hours later, it took quite a while, the club released a statement along with the NHL and teammates Jacob Truba, Ryan Strom, and Tony D'Angelo all took to Twitter in some way, shape, or form to come to Keandre's defense. Uh, an extremely ugly incident, uh, something that we did not write about on the blog, and I think, Dave, you know, maybe you could touch upon why that is. I know we had a few people asking uh, why we didn't post anything written. Obviously, we are going to talk about it a little bit here, but... You know, Dave, I know you fielded some questions about this. Yeah, um, a lot of that came to when that happened um, from my perspective, from my personal bubble was when I was working 12 to 16 hours a day. You know, I work in the healthcare industry. It's been a little bit chaotic and I couldn't put my thoughts in a coherent manner. And beyond that, you know, I don't know what else I could add to that other than it's a disgusting event that happened. The Rangers 
were under a lot of fire initially because they didn't say something right away, but it obviously came out that they were talking with the NHL, the NHLPA, the FBI is now involved, and everybody released a statement at the same time. That's not coincidence. But there's really nothing else I can add to that as a white guy. Um, I, I, we've never had to deal with this. I've never had to deal with that. And I don't know what I could add that other than saying it's an absolutely disgusting incident. And I hope that the troll is found and prosecuted. There's no room in the league or in society for that anymore. I can't believe it's 2020 and we're still having these conversations. It's stupid. Yeah. And I'm getting off my my pedestal now. No, that was I totally totally, you know, right on 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 point there, Dave. Becky, what were your initial kind of thoughts and reactions to to this? Well, my initial thought was that it's repulsive and, you know, like Dave said like it's 2020 and I'm not pretending that I don't know that this still happens, but I can't help but just feel really disappointed every time it does happen because I think it's like when when I hear about something really horrible, I always think like I cannot understand this, but it in a big way I'm happy I can't understand it because I don't want to think like a person who finds, you know, gets their rocks off by spamming a chat you know, just raining down racial slurs and thinking that, like, that's that's how they wanted to spend their day. I mean, like, I don't know what level of, if it's you were just raised the extremely wrong way or if you were, like, I don't, I don't want to know the reason. I don't want to know the justification. I just want it to stop. But it is the world we live in that people do stuff like that and it's really, you know, effed up and... I feel really sad that Keandre Miller had to sit through that. I know that they stopped it, but, you know, even for a few seconds, minutes, whatever, that he had to sit through that. And, like, he has to put on the brave, like, oh, I'm, like, I'm going to take this, you know, like, professionally. And, I mean, I'd be so pissed off. And what can he do in that situation? And in a lot of ways, and I know that they're, you know, I'll get, I'm going to talk about the Rangers PR in a little bit but um it like it upsets me that he had to deal with that alone even for a couple of hours other than you know obviously teammates but like the team should have said something immediately even if it's we're investigating this we are so sorry like anything but just acknowledge the fact that it happened and then put out the statement later I don't know I just I feel like that was a real real miss yeah, I think that that's, I think that's right. I mean, I think from, you know, as Dave said, and I'll speak for me and Becky as well, you know, we are white people. This is an overwhelmingly white and rich sport. It is not, traditionally speaking, a place that is really welcoming of minorities, of really people from different schools of thought. I mean, you know, we make the 200 hockey men joke on Twitter all the time as an illustration of, this not being a place that um, people with new ways of thinking about things, i.e. analytics, feel welcome, uh, although they've elbowed their way into the conversation. This is not a place women often feel welcome. Uh, and Becky, I'm sure you could speak more to that as a, as a female sports fan who I can tell people she knows a lot more about the team she roots for than most fans, male or female. I mean, we from um, that point, we can look at the Too Many Men podcast and how much Shayna, Sarah, and Allison have to deal with from the harassment they deal with. Yep. Right. It's, it's crazy. And, and they're three of the smartest people I've, I read when it comes to hockey. And it, it's a shame that, again, going back to this, is 2020. We're still dealing with this bullshit. Yeah. And, and again, I think it is born out of the fact that hockey is such a protective, conservative culture. Uh, as for... You know how Kay Andre handled it. Obviously, it's not our place to really comment on that um, because he's the one who experienced it, and really any emotional reaction he had would have been justified. Um, and you know, I think what what is what sucks from my perspective as just a fan of the Rangers and somebody who wants this kid to succeed. I was really excited when they drafted him. Um, is that you know. I, I I feel bad that, that this is something that 
got people who never even think about hockey or the Rangers thinking about the Rangers. Like this, you know, it was a really just ugly, unwelcoming moment. Um, and it, and it really painted the whole organization in a bad light. And, um, and, and I think the point is that they need, they needed to do, and they need to continue to do more to make people feel welcome. And, you know, look, I appreciate the sort of hockey is for everyone thing, but we all know that's more of a marketing campaign than an actual diversity initiative at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously a really, uh, just a, a real, um, down, down moment, uh, you know, kind of a, a really, you know, difficult, uh, thing, obviously for Keandre to, to go through, but, you know, just, just not a good day at all for, for anybody, uh, in the Ranger kind of universe. And, you know, look, and I think in terms of their response, you know, Becky kind of alluded to this, the Rangers waited almost four hours to release the statement. And, and yes, I know they were probably coordinating with the NHL, uh, perhaps the players association, they were getting the authorities involved, but even acknowledging it right off the bat and saying like, we don't welcome this, condone this, um, would have gone a long way. And they, they didn't really do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the other thing that I think is, uh, you know, we were just talking about a little bit, but Dave, maybe you could speak a little bit more to this, you know, it's 2020, but this stuff keeps happening. I mean, why do we think this does keep happening? And it, you know, by the way, it's not just in hockey, but there have been racist incidents in, in world soccer there, you know, these types of things do happen in, in all walks of life, unfortunately, but you know, it's, it, I just kind of, it was a question that I had, like, why is this happening? Especially, you know, in the middle of a global pandemic. And, and this was obviously just the Rangers trying to do something fun with a future potential star player. It's just wild. I mean, I, the only thing I can think of is a quote from men in black. Um, a person is smart, but people are dumb, panicky beings. And you know, it groups of people, are the most dangerous thing in this in the world be, just because it allows what happened here and what happens in MLS. I can tell you right now, uh, NYCFC, which I have season tickets for, has a huge fascist issue with their fans. The That's half right. the supporters section is in uh, is in some kind of new neo Nazi group, and it's just it. When you get these groups of people together, one of them on their own isn't going to do anything. But a group of them together, they feel stronger and they become dumb, panicky assholes. And quite honestly, uh, I'm going to be extremely judgmental on this, and I should be. I think they're raised wrong because you're not born hating people. I think they're idiots. They weren't educated properly. I think they all have tiny dicks at this point. Um, they're compensating. Yeah, they're compensating for something. I don't know what it is. Maybe their parents didn't hug them enough. But this level of stupidity and racism and misogyny has to end. And the only way that happens is by basically coming to noting these groups and saying, listen, go away. Just don't come to these games anymore. Ban them from games. They shouldn't. It those NYCFC fans should not be allowed to come to games. The if the FBI ever finds out who this person was, and if it turns out to be somebody who comes to Ranger games often, the Rangers should obviously ban him. I'm assuming if the FBI finds him, he's going to get arrested and prosecuted. But yeah. anybody this person associates with, let's assume for a second that like-minded people associate together, ban them too. Just nip it in the bud. And that's it. Anybody who has anybody who has ever had an inkling that, oh, hockey is only for a certain group of people, just cut them out of the sport. Period. And that's the only way this ends, at least from a hockey standpoint. I don't know how it ends from a world standpoint. But yeah, from I mean, a hockey unfortunately, standpoint, it's... cut it out. It, it, it's complete and utter bullshit at this point yeah well and it's you know it's unfortunately yeah it's probably not a problem that is ever going to be solved at a kind of world global level um i think internet culture has a lot to do with it as well i think a lot of people's minds get twisted by you know uh, online groups and you know uh, 
forums and places like 4chan and 8chan where this this type of stuff is welcomed and it uh it festers and then you get people acting out i also think that you know uh it goes back to kind of the uh, you know the conservatism element but it is about power you know they it's it's racism is often about power because you know traditionally and in hockey especially uh, white people have had the power and this is about maintaining power so you know people use racism as a means to uh exercise power and try and push you know essentially try and push out people who they they perceive as taking away their power now that also points to just how twisted this type of thinking is that anybody could think that keandre miller participating in a online q a is threatening to anybody's power but that's the twisted sort of logic of racism so it's obviously you know really really ugly uh and and for keandre to have to go through that is is really terrible and i hope he's doing okay i'm i'm happy that the rangers you know a few of his teammates reached out to him directly online obviously like i mentioned it was truba strom and d'angelo all all you know made statements uh publicly and good for them and i hope they continue when he's a part of the team to make him feel welcome and protected and that you know hopefully he doesn't have to deal with anything like this ever again especially coming from you know somebody that's supposedly part of the ranger fan base uh becky did you have any other kind of thoughts on this yeah i do I've, I've got a lot of thoughts, actually. Sorry. And Dave already, Dave already made this explicit, so I'm not going to say effed up anymore. going to just kind of go for it. So I um, I guess it was over the weekend, but days like literally have no meaning. So we're recording this on Monday, and this morning I woke up when Rob got out of the shower and was like, I, it, I don't even know what day it is. Like, I don't even know that it's a day. I think I have to work today, but I have not a clue. So forgive me because time and days do not mean anything to me right now. But whenever it was when, um, uh, you know, our our friend Tony D'Angelo tweeted about Iran needing, you know, Diane Feinstein, right, of California, and this is just getting way into it, but you know, tweeted something about how we should be giving aid to other countries and Iran really needs help. And he had some wise ass comment about it, which I believe he deleted. I screenshot it because you always need your receipts. And, you know, I I like just fine, whatever. You want to be an idiot. It's your Twitter. I wish you didn't have a Twitter, but do what you want. But what really chaps my ass, I mean, that chapped my ass, but like what really, really chaps my ass is his quote unquote apology, because I guess he realized like, oh, I don't know, the presumptive captain of my team is half Iranian and had spoken about how concerned he was about his family being stuck in Iran and not being able to come to the States to see him play. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe he used his brains. I don't know. The half-baked apology, which was, I believe in freedom of speech, like, made me ragey. It just, here's the thing. Here are the First Amendment warriors who are often the Second Amendment warriors that they don't quite understand. Freedom of speech does not mean that you can say whatever the fuck comes into your mind and then just be free of all consequences. What freedom of speech and freedom of press and freedom of religion and all of the First Amendment means is that you are not going to jail. You will not be tortured or executed for speaking out. It's not meant that like you cannot have any consequences. And it just really gets me that if you're going to apologize like he should have, then apologize and end it. Say you're wrong. Say you misspoke. Say you didn't mean it the way it came. Whatever. Just say it and end it. Don't give me this bullshit about how it's freedom of speech. Like, if you're going to quote the First Amendment, then read the whole fucking Constitution. I just cannot deal with it anymore. And on top of that, that what that made me think of, too, is like, you remember back in the day when the Rangers, I think it was during playoffs, but when they couldn't, they couldn't use social media. And it made me long for those days because I do not want to hate Tony D'Angelo. I really don't. He's shown a lot of really good, you know, he was like a really good player last season, but I don't need to know his politics and I don't need to know 
anyone's politics in the sport. And why is it that the stick to sports people only say stick to sports when you're saying something that makes them think you're a communist? Why is it not the other way around? I want to point out the, the Iran thing. His teammate and potentially future captain is Iranian. Yeah. He was born in Sweden, yeah. but he is one. He I don't know if he's a hundred percent, but he is he's at least half, half his, his fucking Iranian. Iranian. Yeah. It's so his father. yeah, okay. So all of this, it, it's, uh, it like I got nothing. It, it makes me so angry, and like I again, I don't want to know your politics. Why is it that stick to sports is always only when I retweet something from CNN? And never when some idiot on my timeline is doing Fox News. And by idiot on my timeline, I mean Tony D'Angelo somehow found his stupid way onto my timeline. Like I actually muted him. I couldn't deal with it anymore. Oh, yeah. Same. Yeah, same for me. I mean, I think, look, at the risk of, um, you know, I, and I don't mean to both side this sides this argument at all. Uh, you know, listen, uh, it's easier to read, uh, you know, the the political tweets of players when you, when you agree with their their politics. I think the problem with Tony D'Angelo and people like him, you know, who often trade in this kind of reactionary uh, rhetoric, they're not making good faith arguments. They're looking to, quote unquote, own whoever it is they're arguing against. Right. So this isn't about standing up for what's right. This isn't about being welcoming and inclusive and that is the difference between you know lebron james taking a political stance against uh you know or or in in uh support of black lives matter and against mass incarceration of black people and minorities versus basically trolling uh people who uh, probably have political opinions that 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 disagree with yours there's a there's a huge difference that um I think a lot of people on the sort of Tony D'Angelo side of the uh, of the of the spectrum, either they either they fail to see it or they um, they will they willfully, uh, you know, don't acknowledge it. So, uh, yeah, they, they willingly kind of ignore it. So it, it's it's a really um, and it's look, this is all happening because. Tony D'Angelo is sitting in his house like everybody else with nothing to do other than scroll Twitter and pick fights. And it's immature and it's silly. And um, yeah, the Ranger PR team, which has in the past, by the way, been very, very restrictive with player, uh, you know, players, personal use of of social media accounts. You know, they really don't allow the players to get out there and do much other than the sort of team sponsored stuff. Um, You know, unless you're kind of in the Henrik Lundqvist sort of, you know, category on your own um it would be nice maybe at this point if they exercised a little bit of control again because like you said becky probably in 2014 or 15 the players were basically told to put their phones away as soon as you know from april until they were out of the playoffs so um it's it is a little bit hypocritical now that you know tony d'angelo just gets to go out there and say what he wants and by the way the team does promote him quite a bit you know even if not they're not necessarily promoting his political views or statements but He's in a lot of their kind of, you know, essentially marketing material. Um, so it's it's just a, and, and it, this, these are the types of things that I think make people uncomfortable. Um, and I think rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, he's he's charismatic. Like, I'm not going to sit here and deny that he's really charismatic. But he's also someone who was suspended twice in his minor league career for violating the like quote-unquote anti-bullying which is like trying to get racist homophobic transphobic etc slurs out of the sport in one year he was he was suspended twice in one year so you would think that maybe like his agent or whatever would tell him like maybe you want to tone it down but then again maybe he's just emboldened because he has a lot of fans who feel the same way he feels and share his ideas and and who knows it, it, it's also and again, it is um, because he's so active and because he was very much aware of what happened with Keandre Miller, he did come to his defense. And I think um, that's great. But a lot of his other behavior is sort of counter to, um, you know, uh, counter to that message uh, that he of solidarity that he tried to show with with Keandre Miller. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a pretty, uh, you know, difficult situation to parse. Again, we are. We are three white people who have never had to deal with this. 
you know, in the end, we're just fans. And uh, to Dave's point earlier, this is a tough, it's a tough issue to uh, dissect. It's a difficult thing to write about. Um, but, you know, hopefully we were able to provide a little bit of perspective there. Um, so let's move on to, to some lighter stuff. And this was just brought up, but let's uh, let's talk in a little bit more detail. So uh, in a recent Q&A with fans, John Davidson, the president of the Rangers, uh, was asked specifically about when the team would name its next captain. And the Rangers obviously have been without a captain since February of 2018 when Ryan McDonough was traded at the deadline. JD said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that these things tend to work themselves out and he didn't commit to a timeline to naming a captain. Um, and so we will, we will of course, throw in our uh, predictions, but I think I, I know who we're all going to predict. But first of all, let me just ask this. Uh, is naming a captain even important, Dave? Do you think that's important? No. Fans think it's important. We think it's important. In a clubhouse, on a team, just because you have the C doesn't mean that you're the only person that people look up to and have control of the locker room. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist cannot wear a letter. I guarantee you he's got... Uh, the eyes and ears of everybody there. The Rangers have four alternates. Um, I can guarantee you that even though Truba does not have a letter, he is looked up to. I can guarantee you that even though somebody like Greg McKegg doesn't have a letter, he is somebody who has been around the block a couple of times and can give good advice to players it's a team effort, and I don't think from a team perspective it necessarily matters if they have one. Right. So then, Becky, from a fan's perspective, why why is it important? I don't know, because I want to put a C on my Savannah Jad jersey. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, but, so, but this is something that, that I think, you know, people talk about a lot, and I think... I don't have romance about the history of hockey because I am still a fairly new hockey fan. So I, I'm not like, you know, I mean, I remember like when my brothers would play like NHL 94 and I always wanted to be the Red Wings because I thought Steve Eiserman was so cool and I could spell his last name. Mind you, I was like eight or nine. So like, seven, and he was the captain seven. Like I don't how old was I? But um, yeah, but he was the captain. I knew that. Um, but I like, I'm one of these like weird you know, here's my here's my unpopular take. Putting the C on McDonough's sweater really messed him up. Like I do believe that. So I, I think don't I don't necessarily too. disagree with you. Yeah. Oh, That's you've got th- yeah. two people. Yay! It's it's unanimous. Yeah. Well, yeah. That I sounds. think I think it was a combination of a lot of things. But he and it actually reminded me a lot. And Dave, I wonder if you feel the same way as as a you know a, a, you know having been a fan for a little bit longer than Becky and going back to the 90s and early 2000s, it had a similar effect on Brian Leach. Brian Leach just was not the same player. And I know he was getting older as well, but he was not, you know, I hate to put it so bluntly, but he really wasn't a good captain. No, um, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. Th- and and I, don't, I didn't think McDonough was either. Uh, and I don't know if you feel the same way. McDonough wasn't a good captain. I think the last good captain the Rangers had was Callahan. Yeah. Even Drury, I think... He was kind of given the C after Yager, but he wasn't with the Rangers long enough to really have that distinction of being the captain. He had the lore of it, but I don't know if Drury would yeah. even make my list of top captains. I mean, out of coming out of the lockout, I think the top captain is Callahan with Yager being number two. Yeah. I think that that's I think that's right, um, and I think this probably speaks to why the Rangers haven't named a captain yet, right? Because they could have very easily slapped a C on, you know, let's say Mika Zibanejad's chest at the beginning of this year, or Chris Kreider's, or Mark Stahl's. Maybe they would have thrown a curveball and put it on Artemi Panarin since he was going to kind of be the leader offensively. Obviously, he's not really a traditional captain type, but neither was Yaramir Yager. Um, and Yager was named the captain, I think, in the second season coming out of the lockout after having that amazing first season. But 
you know, even though, like you said, Dave, it really is kind of a ceremonial thing that the leadership group does kind of, um, it does kind of evolve into its own thing. There is a reason that you don't just give someone the C. And I think we saw that with Drury and even to some extent McDonough. Um, but, you know, with all that in mind, is it definitely going to be Zabanajad, or do we think there's somebody else on this team that that maybe has a better case? Well, people people are like you know for Kreider. Um, I am one of those for Kreider. You you could also here's like a total curveball. Why don't you make it Panarin? Right, or yes for Fast. Because yep. yes for Fast is super boring. Here's the thing. Here's, here's, here's why. Here's the thing. And I love Mika and I want him to be the captain. I think he'd be fine. But like he is very soft-spoken and like a humble person. And Kreider super like, you know, can't even like look at the camera when he is being interviewed, which is endearing. But like Jesper Fast is like also pretty soft-spoken and he's really boring and he's not flashy. So like, no, no, just no, no. I still think I don't know. it's going to be Kreider. I, that, that's a good... You, so why do you think it's going to be Kreider? I think the only reason why they didn't do it at the beginning of this year is because they wanted to make sure he was signed to a contract and they weren't going to give the C to somebody that they couldn't necessarily retain. Kreider But then why has, not do it when they re-signed him? Because it's the middle of the season. Why are you going to name a captain in the middle of a playoff, a potential playoff run? It just kind of throws Why everything not? to loop. You do it at the beginning of the season and not disrupt anything, not make, say, I don't know, maybe, uh, obviously this is me just spitballing and none of this is any inside knowledge. What if naming him the captain kind of makes, I don't know, stall say, wait, I've been here longer. Why aren't I the captain? Yeah. And then well, and stall the plays even worse. I think worse. they haven't named one. I, I think they haven't named one because they don't want it to be stall, but... Out of respect, they're not doing it. I still think it's going to be Kreider. He's the one that has that language, uh, bar- the language bridges the language gap with a lot of the Russian players since he does speak Russian. He has that experience. He's the go-to clutch goal scorer of that recent playoff run. Every single clutch goal was basically scored by him. And... He's the longest tenured forward. I still think it's going to be Kreider. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be disappointed if it's Zibanejad. I just think it's going to be Kreider. I mean, that's how I feel too. Like, I I wouldn't be shocked or disappointed if it were Kreider, but I want it to be Zibanejad. But, like, either way, that's a very good problem to have. To be like, oh, there are two really good candidates for this. What a shame if the one that I personally want to get it doesn't get chosen. Like, it's, it's personally, I, good personally, I'm getting, I'm getting talked into Jesper Foss now. I don't know why. I never even thought of it. <laughs> and you're sleeping on the couch tonight. Well, no, listen, I mean, I, I, I think that, I mean, in reality, you have several good kind of leadership types between Zabanajad, Kreider, Faust, um, you know, Mark Stahl will be here for another year. Um, but then, you know, Truba could, could get an A. He's a guy Dave mentioned that um, could be part of the leadership group. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. To me, I think it's going to be Zabanajad. And I don't um, I don't think it's really all that all that much of a discussion. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Kreider, Kreider is now probably going to be a career ranger, which is a which is a big deal. Um, I also think that I mean, I don't think either of them would really um have a problem if the other is named captain and they're obviously they seem to be very close on and off the ice um but yeah i mean it's i just find it kind of funny that you know they are treating such a ceremonial position because that really is what it is as you mentioned before dave with the importance that they are treating it by not just naming captain i mean i just i I, because i was thinking about how the islanders named Anders Lee a captain right after it was Lee right it wasn't Brock Nelson was it Lee I think it was Lee Lee. it's Lee right right when Tavares left and I was just like why didn't they let that sit out there for a few years and just have three or four alternates but they just I guess wanted to paper over the John Tavares mess as soon as possible so they wanted to name a captain you know what Um, I could see happening 
And you know how the Rangers, they have their full four alternates, and they basically alternate who has the A based off home or away games? Yeah. What if they have Kreider and Zibanejad alternate who has the C, home or away games? Kreider has it for the home games, and then where's an A for the... Yeah, they're co-captains. They just kind of alternate it. Wouldn't be yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see them do that. Oh, it's so stupid. <laughs> just name someone. Holy God, this is an easy decision. This is like one of those decisions where it's like, this is not a tough one. Like, you know what's tough? Figuring out this damn pandemic right now. That's tough. Trying to oh, figure Becky. out when to reopen the world. That's tough. Calling your captain is not that hard. And we have not had a captain for such a long time that it's just stupid. Oh, Becky, That's I'm going to piss you off right now. You want to hear what maybe the Rangers are, the organization, is thinking, hmm, everybody really seems to enjoy interacting with this Tony D'Angelo kid. Maybe we should give him all this publicity and make him captain, too. Oh, God. I mean, they no. could do that. I'll think it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but they also <laughs> hired Elaine Vigneault and, you know, Game 7. Oh, no, he was good in his first season. Happened. He was good in his first season. As yeah. we saw on those uh, and most those of games second. that, and most of a second too, yeah. Great job by MSG, by the way, getting those games, uh, particularly the Montreal series, which were actually broadcast on NBC, but MSG obviously did some sort of deal, and they were able to show pretty much those games in full, uh, even though they did not originally broadcast them. And I did watch most of you know those four games, the four games they won from the 2014 Eastern Conference semi- uh, final to make the Stanley Cup Finals. And that was just amazing. It was really cool to kind of relive that. I was at the Marty St. Louis game where he scored in overtime, which was amazing, which was incredible. Um, but especially watching the clinching game really was one of the most perfect games of hockey I think any team has ever played, especially in a clinching game scenario. I mean, they – and look, I know that through the years, um, the Rangers have basically gone as far as Henrik Lundqvist has – been able to take them because their defense has been subpar, but that was not the case in that game six in 2014. They, I mean, maybe the Montreal got three scoring chances. One of them was the broken play where he made the windmill save, uh, which lives on forever in history. But man, the team just played a perfect game and and probably could have won more than one nothing. I know they only got the one goal from Dominic Moore, but they had so many chances, a bunch of two on ones and three on ones late in the game too to score two or three goals and put it away, but. You know, just being able to see that again, to hear how loud MSG was throughout the whole game was really cool. So great job by MSG. I I don't know if, you know, Dave, if you were able to watch any of those games as well, but it was well worth it to sit down. And I know some people aren't into like watching old sports, but I thought it was cool as hell. I was able to watch the clinching game and that windmill save. I just kept rewinding and playing over and over again. The funniest part about that to me is it that windmill save was needed because of two missed swan dives by Girardi and Stahl. And it, yeah, that, on the it's just <laughs> really funny to me because of how they aged. I mean, at that point in their careers, it was they were just at the starting to decline phase. But it's just yeah. really funny to me that that save was needed because of the two swan dives. Well, and that play kind of basically is like Henrik Lundqvist's career in a nutshell, right? Like, okay, now I have to go pull something crazy out of nowhere because the two of them fell over their own two feet in front of me, <laughs> uh, basically. Um, I do want to yeah, say, though, I mean, prime Mark Stahl was too wide. Prime Mark Stahl was a – what a defenseman he was. Damn. He was. Uh. He was really good. And Girardi, Girardi in his um, at his best, too – was a total pain to play against. And, uh, you in know, his Tortorella like days. In his Tortorella yeah. days. Oh, man. Well, and like you said, though, and even at in 2014, six years ago now, so even back then, those guys, you know, didn't have as much gas left in the tank, but they were still pretty effective in the right matchups. And obviously, you know, McDonough was at the top of his game paired with Girardi. But, you know, again, just watching that game back, I mean, Montreal got nothing. They got absolutely nothing. And even some of the... Um, other games that I've watched, some of the series against Pittsburgh and Philly, you know, they showed a lot of playoff games from that era now because they have nothing else to show. Um, <laughs> I mean, man, like they they bottled up Ovechkin, they bottled up Crosby, they bottled up Claude Giroux. I mean, these guys really, they may have given up a lot of shots in terms of volume, but not a lot of chances at all. And then, you know, you contrast that with what we've seen recently from this team, 
the back end of the Vigneault years and now through the rebuild. And it really is like night and day. I mean, they gave up so little from prime scoring areas back then. They really did play good defense. Really, their problem was more that they didn't quite have the elite offensive talent, which they do now. Um, you know, watching, the because uh, conversely, I'm sure you would probably feel the same way, uh, Dave and Becky, but their power play four, five, six years ago was nothing compared to what it is now. It is, talk about a night and day difference. I mean, they could barely get shots on goal in 2014 at times. And now it's like automatic with Panarin and Zibanejad and Kreider out there and D'Angelo on the point. It's, 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 it's unbelievable how much talent they have offensively now, and they just need to really balance it with, uh, with defense. I am 100% convinced, and there is nothing anybody can say that will get me to change my mind. If Max Zuccarello does not fracture his skull in 2015, the Rangers win the Stanley Cup. Period. End of story. That's how good those two teams were, and they fell just short because of, quite honestly, um, the Kings. And I really hate Jonathan Quick because he's not a good goalie. He just gets hot at the right time. And Are you talking about 14 or 15? 14 for that, and then 15 with just, oh, man, what terrible luck. Ugh. Did my and sigh that- register? Did you guys get that? The sigh? When Dave yeah, I heard the sigh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can Dave, you like she, d- amp that up when you edit this, please? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Be- Becky's. Uh, she has reasons why 2015 uh, happened, and and it really doesn't have to do with Matt Zuccarello. Without with Zuccarello in the lineup, those coaching decisions that get Becky amped up don't happen. Dave, I have a question for you. Forty-two. How many games in the playoffs did Zuccarello play that Glass was still in the lineup? I mean, I don't know that off the top of my head. Can you look it up for me? Uh, I'm assuming that Glass was in the lineup for all the games. Uh, Yeah, I don't know know where I looked it up. He was, okay, except for game six. Was that the only time they scratched him in the Tampa series? I mean, I don't know, but the, the reason that Dave's statement makes me sigh is because Zuccarello got injured an entire series before that. Like he got injured in the Penguin series. Yeah, then they beat the Capitals. Oh, they I'm came sorry, back two from three series. two series. Yeah. They came back Thank from three one against the Caps, and they really had no business being down three one to the Caps. When but you, you take think away the best offensive player the on the team, Cup? it happens. They lost the best offensive player on their team. And let's be real, Zook was the best offensive player. I don't player think on their Matt Zuccarello was the best offensive player on that team. Excuse me. I need to Yes, he that. was. He well, Nash was. scored 42 goals that year, but he he never really played that well in the playoffs. And I loved Rick Nash, and I hate doing the whole playoff narrative thing with guys because that really drives me nuts. But he really, he didn't, he was not himself in the playoffs for a variety of reasons. Um, but this is, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm just having fun sitting back here letting you guys argue. I mean, this is, this is great stuff. Is it? Is it wrong? Yeah. This is how you make great podcasts. You got to have a little bit of disagreement. We're, we're all sitting here talking about Mika Zibanejad being the captain unanimously. No, we weren't. No, we weren't. Now, I still think it's going to be Kreider. What are you smoking? The thing outside that my neighbors are smoking and I may be getting a contact eye off of? I lost I, I lost oxygen I, at the end of that I, sentence I and my voice went up However. nine octaves. <laughs> Listen, speaking of... Speaking of the playoffs, let's let's bring it back to this year and kind of close with a little fun discussion. Dave, you wrote a post about a week ago. Um, would the Rangers have made the playoffs? And you basically went game by game, which is uh, one of the classic, by the way, talk about you know making great uh, audio or radio. Mike Francesi used to do this all the time. He would go game by game through like a football schedule, like Jets or Giants. With, with the Mad Dog, and they would sort of call out, like, win-loss, win-loss. You basically did that with the remainder of the Rangers' schedule, the 12 games they had left. And um, you basically came to the conclusion that they would have missed the playoffs by f- three or four points, that they would have needed to get to 96, 95 or 96. 95 ended was up the number. 92 and, in your model. Yeah. Um, I, how did you kind of, yeah, how, how did you kind of formulate all that, and how did you come to those conclusions? So up until the middle of, well, up until basically three days before the season shut down, I've been saying a 98-point pace was needed based off last year's playoffs. 
the way the season was unfolding, it turned out to be a 95-point pace. And the Rangers held all the tiebreakers. They had the most regulation right. wins. So they just needed to get to 95 points. And I'm assuming other teams are... So I'm assuming two teams in the wild card race hit 95 points. Carolina being one. And insert team here. Blue Jackets being another. Right. So... The thing that really got me was Chris Kreider and his fractured foot. I know he was skating. Yeah. I don't I don't know what kind of fractured foot he had that he was able to skate eight days later after fracturing his foot. I, I, I sprained my ankle and I couldn't walk right for a month. And he fractured yeah. his foot and was like, oh, hey, I'm ready to go. Eight days later, I, I, maybe Dan Girardi lent him his foot or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but I went game by game. Um, the Rangers had just come off of an overtime loss, I believe, to Colorado. Yeah, and they were trapped. what a way, f- what yeah. a way for the season to end. By the way, if, if it, that is the end, because they scored with like two seconds left to tie that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I got nothing on that. <laughs> but they were en route to Arizona. Let's assume they beat Arizona. Arizona doesn't score much little bit of a toss-up because the Rangers, without Kreider, especially without Kreider, struggle against teams that really slow the pace down, and that's what Arizona does. Let's assume they get the win there. Then they go back home to Calgary, uh, play against Calgary. Calgary was re- was white hot. I think they were 7-3 and three or 8-2 and two coming into that game. Let's assume it continues. Rangers lose. Mm-hmm. With that loss... The Penguins were in free fall. They get them at home. Rangers need the win. They get the win. I think they dominate that game. Back into the home and home. The Penguins are too good to let the Rangers beat them twice like that. By the way, if you guys disagree with me, just interrupt me. Because I like the sound of my own voice. So I'll continue talking forever. I'm busy looking up 2015 and have some. Oh my god. Still, well, we've I was, been having I this was, argument for five years, Becky. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Tanner Glass played every game. Not He played game six also. Anyway, oh, he did. Go on. Anyway. Um, yeah, go ahead, Dave. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, will have, I will have some like minor thoughts, but I do think you're, you're pretty much on track with these predictions so far because I agree with you, especially with a home-and-home. Home, it's always tough to win both, especially against a team like Pittsburgh. But I like you giving the Rangers that OT point um, because Pittsburgh wasn't very good. And I think, you know, Rob Luker uh, from the blog who liked to look at, you know, kind of uh, recent trends, um, you know, as the Rangers kind of trended up and stabilized a little bit, though they were falling a a bit after the trade deadline. Pittsburgh was going in the tank from like a expected goals and a shot metric standpoint. They They had really bad underlying numbers in addition to the fact that they that they weren't playing very well from a win loss standpoint either. Oh yeah, they were like they were the exact opposite of Calgary. If Calgary was eight and two, the Penguins were two and eight. Right. But I still don't think they come out with both with four points. Still think they get three, and then they get right another two in Buffalo because honestly, after what Buffalo pulled, they deserve to be in the tank or sorry in the gutter for the rest of Pegula's life at this point. I feel bad yeah. for Buffalo Sabres fans, and I feel bad for their employees, and I feel bad for the players. But there is so much bad karma with that team, with what they did in this pandemic, laying everybody off and saying, oh, you may be able to have your job back. You know what? Fuck Buffalo. The Rangers would have won. <laughs> uh, then Blue Jackets, biggest game of the year remaining. I'm assuming Kreider comes back. Positive energy leads to a win. So that's a nice run, you know, win against Arizona, loss against Calgary, win OT loss, win-win. I mean, that's a good stretch. The problem is the Rangers just, the end of the season was brutal. They had, at Washington, they were going to lose that. At Washington, at Tampa, I don't think they win either one of them. At Florida, Florida's in the playoff race. I still think the Rangers win that game. At home yeah. against Philly, who completely crushed the Rangers right out of the playoffs. There was nothing in those two games that said, oh, the Rangers could have maybe squeaked one out with a, with a healthy Pavel Buchnevich. No. Mm-hmm. No. Philly wins that game, too. 
Another game yeah. against Pittsburgh. I think they write the ship the Penguins do heading into the playoffs. I agree with you. I think they're too good to let all of that continue into April. And that's the loss that breaks their season. Mm-hmm. And then Chicago, Henrik Lundqvist starts, gets a 45-save shutout and a win. But that... Would have been appropriate. Yeah, it's the Pittsburgh loss, and it's losing four out of five to close it before the Chicago game. That's yeah, huge. They're I'll be able, honest with you. They were going to be five. They were five, one, and one heading into, or four, one, and one, something like that, heading into the, that stretch. And they yeah. they go one and four and then close out the season with a win against Chicago. I think that's the only way that happens. They finish with 92 points. Up from seventy eight last last season, but still out of the playoff picture. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you too. If you really want to get masochistic, I could almost see them losing the Florida game too, just because they would have been on such a tough run. Um, and you know, if you look back in Ranger history, there's there's a lot of they they either do they do one of two things basically when they're in a playoff race. They either basically run the table, which happened a lot during the Tortorella years and the Tom Rennie years. They would have these incredibly hot March and April runs uh, to go into the playoffs, either get one of the last couple of spots or solidify their position. Um, But if you go before that, there's a lot of instances in Ranger history where they just die in March and April, where they lose like 9 out of 10. I believe that happened in the 92-93 team, which was uh, a team that was the team right before the Stanley Cup team that... um, the year before they won the President's Trophy, then the year after I think they won the President's Trophy, that middle year they missed the playoffs entirely. I know that there was a lot of infighting with Messier and the coach at the time, Roger uh, Roger Nielsen, but I believe they had just an absolutely awful March and April and like crashed out. Um, they had a bad March and April coming out of the 05-06 uh, lockout season where they were basically in first in their division all year and then uh, barely squeaked into the playoffs and ended up getting swept by the Devils. So I could have I could have seen this turning into a true Ranger collapse where they like lose all of the remaining six games on their schedule, maybe with the exception of the Chicago game, because it would have been Lundqvist and Net. Chicago's pretty bad too; they would have been out of it as well. Um, but I think you were pretty much spot on here, Dave. I think these are some pretty good, it's pretty good, uh, you know, kind of prediction and rundown of of what the end of the season might have looked like. Um, it's a shame that we probably won't get to see it play out. Although, you know, Gary Bettman went on CNN today and said that we're trying to keep all options open. And, you know, there's also talk about starting as late as mid-November. Um, uh, next, Starting next season as late as mid-November so that they can finish this season. Uh, again, I think that that's crazy. And I think they should probably just lean on, lean towards canceling the season because it just doesn't seem prudent or realistic to continue uh, this year. But... You know, anyway, I digress. Um, the, the Panthers Becky, got you, the measles and forfeited the season. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mighty Ducks reference, nice. Yeah. Becky, did you find any more evidence there, or did you want to finish up your thoughts on 2015? Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, God. So. That, that sounds ominous. <laughs> Bring so, it. Dave's going to hang up. Matt Zuccarello, <laughs> our adorable Norwegian hobbit, played only five games. So let's take that with a grain of salt. He had and they two crushed the Penguins. First, the they crushed yeah. the Penguins. Yes, he had two assists. Period. In those five games, the he played line an he average was... of fourteen minutes and thirty-five seconds per night in those five games. That's why he was only getting fourteen and a half minutes a night. That's crazy to me. That well, I would not have guessed that. Well, I'm... it's kind of hard to so now. Yes, he was only getting 14 and a half, but it's hard to compare him against everyone else because after he was out, everyone else was obviously playing more time. Right. So I'm trying to, to see who he played with, what the lines were. Well, uh, here here are the, the leading scorers, and everyone that I'm about to say had 19 games played. So the only other people who did not play 19 games were Kevin Klein. He got injured, right? Mm-hmm. Or was he healthy? I think so, yeah. Well, Matt, Matt Hunwick was playing a lot, which is a, a guy I frankly <laughs> totally forgot existed until I was rewatching some of those uh, yes. games. He played six games. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, and uh, Shepard, who had 13, he played 13 games. He played 13 games. He wow. played 13 games. He didn't play game seven. 
Right. And he only came into the lineup after, well, that might not be true, but he, a spot would have opened up after Zuccarillo got hurt. So he right. probably played more right in, in the second and third round than and he we'll did in the first round. And we'll say the reason he didn't play in game seven was because the weird, you know, Ryan McDonough's foot and they didn't know if he was going to play. So they went with seven defensemen in game seven. Right. However, if I were Elaine Vigneault, which I am not, I would have probably played James Shepard over Tanner Glass. Oh my God, get over James Shepard. I am over James Shepard. You've been arguing about this for five years. Yes, I'm pissed too about that. You've been saying that Matt Zuccarello is the reason they didn't win game seven of a series, two series after he was injured. And I stand by that because I believe, and the lines were, I believe, it was Stepan, Nash, Kreider, top line, I believe, second line, Hayes, Zook, St. Louis, you may swap um, somebody there. But those are basically yeah. your top six. Well, it was Broussard. Broussard was playing. Oh, sorry, Broussard, Broussard, Broussard. Well, what's Broussard. really interesting is Broussard had, nine, had 16 points in 19 games. Nash had 14 points in 19 games, so maybe you should be nicer to him, Rob. Stepan yeah, had 12 well, I, points he, in 19 games. Yandel had 11 points in 19 games. And Dan Boyle had 10 points in 19 games. Yeah. Dan that's Boyle. your top five. Oh, wow, Dan Boyle. Look at that. That's your top that five. Con- and Dan Boyle wasn't... was like on a walker. Like, he wasn't even skating <laughs> at like a third yeah. speed. He was skating at like turtle speed. But my and he point... still put up 10 points in the playoffs, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. I think it was Broussard, Haglin, and St. Louis on the third line, I believe. No, it was Hayes, Haglin, and St. Louis. Broussard, it was Hayes, Broussard, Haglin. It was... Yeah, yes. that's what it was. Yes. So it was yes. Broussard, Zuccarello, Zuc- and Nash. But then they would Nash. have had to jumble the whole thing after the after the injury. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that sounds a lot more threatening than not having Zuccarello. Well, it didn't I'm, really have any effect on Broussard or Nash, who had the two most points. So who I did they wind up based off time on ice? I think they wound up bumping up to the top line. Which no, that doesn't make sense. No. Mm-mm. I'm trying. I'm using time on ice. To, I don't remember what the lines were, and that's what the crux of my argument would be. I could go back to the game threads from. Maybe oh you should. God. Maybe you uh, should get back to me. Uh, maybe we'll fine. do that on another podcast. Yeah, this has to bleed over to another podcast. It's going to take me forever to find those. I mean, I I think what's the reason, by the way, that we all feel so emotional about this is that I think between those two years. It feels, especially now with some time to think about it and maybe go back and watch some of the games, it really hurts still that they didn't win either of those two years because really either of those two teams was good enough to win. Obviously, the 2014 team kind of comes out of nowhere um, because they didn't really you know, finish high in the standings. Hey, now, uh, I predicted they, I, them on Yahoo. I was doing a guest post, and I predicted them to come out of the East because that was first when advanced stats were starting to become big and i saw that the rangers were actually the better puck possession team out of or the best puck possession team in the east so i am patting were, myself on the fucking back for that one well good that's job, good Dave. because you're about to be so wrong in our next podcast i can't wait i i, I can't wait we to should do just this name research. the podcast head to head and it's just you and me arguing for 45 <laughs> minutes and rob moderating i'm like- trying to <laughs> I like it. I, I can do that. That sounds good. We're repurposing until hockey's back. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we'll, we'll have to find a way to fill the time like everybody else. So uh, I happen to right, like guys, that we're... idea of taking a topic and just having two of us go head to head and the third moderate. Well, let's put this to uh, let's put this out to the fans. I mean, we've put out some calls for fan questions. Obviously, there's not too much to ask about, but um, maybe we'll do a poll or something and we can pick out some topics to debate on the next show we'll we'll work we'll work that out and maybe come up with a uh, with a segment for next time i like that idea um any other any other thoughts before we go i can't believe we were at this for an hour with no hockey that's impressive i know i know good job by us we need human interaction <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is basically a zoom call i've been doing a lot of those with our friends and family lately so all this is is the rangers zoom call every couple of weeks and we uh want to thank everyone for listening live from the blue seats is a production of blue seat blogs please make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already we're currently available on itunes spotify soundcloud google play and hosted on acast if you can spare a minute please leave us a rating and a review as it helps other fans find the show 
Follow us on Twitter at Blue Seats Live and check us out at blueseatblogs.com, the longest running fan site for all things Rangers, from news and opinion to video analysis and more. For Dave and Becky, this is Rob signing off. Stay home and stay safe.